10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from London, this is the Sunday Lunch with Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon, the time is 1pm on Sunday the 27th of February and you're tuned in to the Sunday Lunch Show with me, Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. In today's show, it's Pastoral CPD Clinic number 7 and it's all about attendance and punctuality. How can we boost and sustain high levels of, att of attendance in our schools? How can we ensure as many pupils as possible arrive on time to both schools and lessons? First things first, how many of you are on time to this? Live from London. This is the Sunday Lunch with Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash TT Radio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. It is Sunday. And we're back with another instalment of the Sunday Lunch Show with, oh, that was just a zip. <laughs> I don't know why I just unzipped on the mic. I've got a very sensitive mic. I'm not getting undressed for the mic. Pause. Let's move on. It is Sunday the 27th and you're tuned in to Sunday Lunch Show with me, Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. So we're back one more week. It's another pastoral CPD session. Hopefully we're getting to a point where eventually hashtag pastoral CPD on Twitter will take over. Who knows when, but the time will come. The time will come. I heard it here first. One day we'll take over the airways. Welcome to those that are already in the studio, the punctual ones. Dale, you're always here. I rate you, Dale. I don't think we've I don't think you've called in ever. But one of these days I'm gonna get you to call in because you're always in this well, I say always. You're in the studio so much and it's very much appreciated. Um, so um, yeah, I appreciate it back in the studio again. Today, as I said in the intro, and I'm gonna run the intro a little bit later again, is to do with attendance and punctuality. This was inspired. Or, yeah, inspired by two tweets that were posted out a little while ago, not even by me, by some people on Twitter, obviously. And they sent some tweets about asking for some advice from fellow professionals or fellow workers in the pastoral world or fellow educators, whatever you want to call them. Um, and people replied with a whole bunch of ideas. And so the aim of this is to, first of all, disseminate and give my own take on these ideas that people suggested. Also to, of course, give my own ideas caveat i'm not an expert but i do have a lot of pastoral experience so i never profess to be an expert um on the topic of attendance punctuality vital 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 topics and i know they're very relevant to everyone that works in a school and it's just hopefully going to get a lot of interaction with you guys in the studio when we get this show on the road how has everyone's weeks been if you've been on half term it's over so i'm sorry welcome back to the grind if you've been like me and you've already had your half term break and you've already been back at school it already feels like half term was an age ago don't know how you guys feel, but for me, I don't remember what I did over half term. I just get back in the swing on the Monday and it's as if half term never happened. It's crazy. Callum, I see you. Welcome, mate. Um, so yeah, how's everyone's week been? Me, as always, I like to start with a little scroll of my of my timeline. Because when I scroll my timeline, my personal profile, I get to re remember what I was talking about this week. And I don't feel like, if I'm honest, I don't feel like I was, I was on Twitter that much this week. Um, I feel like I was just immersed in work and that kind of stuff. All I kind of did was, oh, I've just seen... What sticks in my mind, just realized, I've got a little one. He's nearly two. He's about 21 months old. Um, he has an upset stomach. Those of you that are parents or have been, not, I was going to say have been parents, but I'm going to say have been parents to toddlers, let me phrase it like that, um, may know what this entails. So we're talking about a pretty upset stomach from my little man. It came to it came to our realization when he had a bit of the runs. Not going to go into too much detail on a Sunday afternoon. I know some of you might be eating at, the at, at this time, so I'm not going to go into detail, but that was happening. 
Um, and then it got to, yes, was it what day? What morning was it? Was it yesterday morning or Friday morning? I can't remember. I think it was Saturday morning. Um, woke up, whole bunch of cries, whole bunch of tears. And I went into the room to just see how he is. The boy was covered in vomit. Covered. Covered in vomit. From his head to his to his face, to his sleeves. This boy had thrown up in the night and just rolled in it. <laughs> like, it's so grim. When you think about it, it is so grim. The poor boy is so, it's like unbeknownst to him, he was unwell. Maybe thought thrown out was like a normal thing. Just kind of snuggled back into sleep, rolled in it and woke up absolutely distraught, poor guy. Um, so then it was on me. I was on daddy duty this morning or that morning and it was on me to sort him out. So I flung him in the bath, like hosed him down. Then the bed sheets and the and the sleeping bag and his cut, his blanket, all of them just covered. So as you can imagine, that was an interesting wake up for me. So that was one thing. One thing happened this week as well. It was the 22nd of the 2nd, 2022. And me being a maths teacher, um, I saw some tweet about it that said, I didn't really know, I, I wouldn't have clocked it, but the actual, the date when written in its full, um, in its full style is, oh, what a fancy word. Now help me out, what's the word? Is it a palindrome? Is palindrome when you can read the same thing forwards and backwards? I feel like it is. The date ends up being a palindrome, but also ends up being the same when you turn it upside down. And me liking numbers, I thought that's pretty cool. I was like, that's actually pretty cool. Like, that doesn't happen often when you can write a date. As long as you write it in digital format, so you have your, your right angles in your twos and so on and so forth, and your right angles when you write the zero. So I showed my year sevens this, and I was like, guys, look. I was like, look at this. Look at the date. Oh my God, it's the 22nd of the 2nd, 2022. And I wrote it in digital format. Um, and I was like, when you read this backwards, what do you realize? Guys, when you read it backwards, what do you realize? So I had to scaffold a little bit. Read it backwards. What do you notice? Two, two. So that's like 22. Oh, two. That's like of the second. And then it goes 2022. It's the same. It's the same forwards and backwards. Literally crickets. They could not care less. They couldn't care less. It was, I could, like, they couldn't care less. It was like, it was, it was like a, a bum comedian um, just getting air from the audience and it, and it fell on, it, it completely fell on his face. I was gassed about it. I was excited. I thought it was quite cool. They had no interest in it whatsoever. And that's it too, fair. I looked at my time, man. I didn't tweet that much this week. So what we're actually going to do, we're going to run the intro one more time. We're going to get into this. Those of you in the studio, if you work in schools, um, or if you had a particular interest in attendance and punctuality and you've done some strategies recently that worked really well, or you were in a school that um, introduced some strategies that worked really well for improving attendance or improving punctuality, please drop them into the chat because I'm going to run through the ones that people spoke about on Twitter. I'm going to run through my own. It'll be even better if I can get some from the people in the room as well. If you're listening back, remember, um, if you're listening back, thank you very much. And if you don't know how to listen back, you always just head to ttradio.org forward slash listen back, or you can head to our Twitter account, which is at ttradio2022. Let's run the intro one more time and let's get into talking about the two important issues of attendance and punctuality in schools. Live from London, this is the Sunday Lunch with Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon, it is now 1.08 on Sunday the 27th of February and you're still tuned in to the Sunday Lunch Show with me, Khalil Rouse on Teacher Talk Radio. In today's show, this is Pastoral CPD Clinic number 7 and it's all about the wonderful issues of attendance and punctuality. We're looking at how we can boost and sustain high levels of attendance in our schools, how we can make sure our pupils arrive on time to both schools and lessons, 
It should be a good one. Hope you enjoy. Live from London, this is the Sunday Lunch with Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash TT Radio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Okay, let's get into it. Let's start with attendance. Just a bit of background on me if you weren't aware. So I'm currently a safeguarding lead, but I've been ahead of year for, well, I'm no longer ahead of year, but I was ahead of year for about six years across two schools. So I've been involved and I've been around the whole attendance side of things. And I've written down some ideas on this and the actual Twitter threads aren't about specific attendance. They're more about punctuality to lessons and punctuality to school. So I'm going to talk about attendance and I've got my own ideas. I've also got some articles as well that I might draw upon, but let's see where it goes. Those of you in the studio at any point, if you want to call in and contribute your ideas, please do. Even more appropriately or probably more realistically, please just type and send in anything that you've experienced that's been very successful on the attendance front. So let's get into it. First and foremost on attendance, my f- the first thing that came to mind when I think about making sure a school's got good attendance or um, rigorous attendance, monitoring, that kind of stuff, is you've got to have an attendance officer, obviously, but more so they've got to be on their job. They've got to be what I'd call on job, which means they need to be a serious, they need to be a serious individual that is about their grind. So that means they take it very seriously and they've got a bit of a kind of a streak about them, which means they don't take no nonsense from, from parents. They don't take nonsense from carers or guardians when it comes to the flimsy reasons why kids often are not in school. So I think one of the main way one of the main reasons, well, one of the main ways the attendance officer gets involved, of course, is they, they got to chase up absences. But then you can have attendance officers that kind of chase them up. They talk to parents and say, hi, yeah, it's Miss so-and-so, it's Mr. so-and-so from calling from school. We haven't got so-and-so with us today. Um, any reason why? And then what often happens is a parent obviously gives their reason. And we know as professionals working in schools that these reasons lie in a spectrum. These reasons lie on the spectrum. Oh, they're not feeling too well this morning. Oh, they woke up with a bit of a cold. Oh, they're feeling like they're feeling sick. They said they got a headache. Um, that could, that's like the lower end up until, um, well, what's the top end? Yeah, they injured themselves that we're, we're currently on the way to hospital, for example. And what needs to happen with your attendance officer, your attendance officer needs to be able to filter out and really be on point when it comes to detecting the reasons that are the more flimsy. So if you hear, oh, they've woken up and they're, they're not well this morning, then of course they might be able to express some, some sadness. I'm sorry to hear that. However, the school day is a long day. The school day goes from 8.30 till 3 or 8.30 till 3.30 or some schools 8.30 till 4. So I'll be calling you back. In, I'll be calling you back in about half an hour, 45 minutes, giving some breakfast. Yeah, giving some water in the morning. And then once they're better, once they're well enough to walk around the house and, and get on with some things in the house, send them into school, please, because attendance is really important. How many attendance officers are, are on that? I don't know, because I imagine they've got to call tens upon tens of kids and parents. However, there needs to be, the, the way you kind of interact with them as an attendance officer, as far as I'm concerned, needs to be really, you got it, you're not a nice person as a attendance officer. They might be the most disliked person in the school because they interact often with parents. And they're essentially telling parents, what you're telling me why your child is not in school isn't a good enough reason to not be in school. That's essentially what they're saying. So that's not a very liked individual. Parents don't really like him from the attendance officer because they feel like they get quite like, pers- they take it personally, don't they? But I think what often happens with a lot of parents, and this is the case, is parents go to school, sorry, parents go off to work in the morning. 
and often leave their child. And then they'll read, they'll ask their child, oh, you, you going, you off to, well, how's it? You, off, you left, the, you left going to school yet? Yeah? And the child might text a parent back saying, oh, no, no, I don't feel so good. And they're often parents that because they're not there, they can't judge. Sometimes they trust their child's um, integrity and they say, do you know what? Okay, I'll get in touch with the school. I'll let them know. That's a red flag in an attendance officer's book. That's a red flag. They're thinking, nah, 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 that's not good enough. So what are they going to be doing at home? Just chilling. What are they going to be doing at home? Playing on their PlayStation. They're well enough to be in school. So what needs to happen from the attendance officer is they need to say to that parent, if they think the reason for the, the absence is not one that should keep a child off for the entirety of the school day, we're talking eight hours, then they say to the parent, all well and good, but then send them in at, we can send them in at nine or 10. They'll still be able to get their afternoon attendance mark and then only miss maybe a half day. I'll ring you back at nine or 10 and then we'll, we'll go from there. But at this moment, that is not an absence that we can authorize. That kind of, that kind of vibe. Those of you welcoming into the studio, I've seen you at TSCW, welcome. Dan O'Brien, welcome. Um, XNNP, welcome. No idea who you are, but welcome. If you can let me know who you are in the chat, it means I can refer to you by name. We're currently talking about attendance. Those of you that were late to this session, lol, those of you that were late, I will say my first thing on attendance is you've got to have an attendance officer that is on job. You've got to have an attendance officer that is a little bit militant and doesn't take nonsense. An attendance officer that doesn't authorize absences unless they're sure this is a legitimate um, reason when it comes to like illnesses. If they got a cold and a headache, cool, sorry to hear it, but headaches and colds usually subside by the time you get to about 10, 11. What are they doing now? On their games, chilling. They're on their games, chilling. So you need a tennis officer that has been given the time to be able to chase up these parents and say, hold on, it's now 11 o'clock. Are they well enough to be up and about? If they are, put their things on, get them packed, ready for school, send them in, please. They'll get their half mark for the day. Because some of the excuses, once you accept an excuse and you say that you're going to authorize the absence, oh, they got a headache. Okay, cool. We'll put the I in the register. Nice to hear from you. We'll see them tomorrow. Once you accept that, the bar is low. Parents will just say, okay, headaches are okay. So you need to set that bar so high when it comes to what you authorize and what you don't authorize. So saying to a parent, we're not authorizing this absence. We don't think that's a legitimate reason for the child to miss an entire day of school. That sends a message to parents. Let me know what you think, especially if you work in pastoral. Do you have an attendance officer that is militant? Because I think those are the best to have in school sometimes because parents will just come with the nonsense. Um, Dale's come in. Um, Dale's come in the chat and said some of the excuses from parents it is but the thing is listen let me not slight parents because I can understand that it can be tough you've got a teenager um, you've got your own job you've got your own responsibilities I understand that you don't want to fight that battle especially if you're at work I get that but you've also got to have a bit of gumption as a parent and Dale said yeah an attendance officer who is persistent and no nonsense all the way is a massive thing so if you've got an attendance officer in your school and you think they're not really that persistent or they're not no-nonsense, then I think have a little word with their line manager or if you're a position of authority in your own school, have a little word with them. Like, give them, tell them, we're not, we don't want to authorise that, especially if it's your responsibility to look after attendance. Say, no, 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 headache, migraine, migraine's okay, but migraines subside a bit of water and a bit of food. 12 o'clock, send them in. They've got afternoon lessons. They'll get in for lunchtime. They'll get a half mark. All those little things can boost attendance because there's a massive difference in the long run between missed whole days and missed half days. So that's my first piece of advice on attendance. My second piece of advice on attendance, well, it was already around the kind of authorization of absences, that kind of stuff. My second thing that I think a lot of schools need to make sure they do is to be very transparent about what these attendance percentages mean. 
Because when you tell a parent that you have, uh, or you tell kids that you have an attendance target of 95%, 97%, that means jackal to parents and kids. doesn't mean anything. If you tell a parent, yep, our, our school attendance target is 97%, they say, okay, but what does that mean? So until you translate that to both parents and to students themselves, they're just going to hear a number and think 97% is, that sounds a lot, but you can get a couple of days. Genuinely, I imagine some people might hear 97%, hear that it's 3% less than 100, and then think three days off every now and again is fine, for example. So the kind of thing I'm talking about is, from my own calculations, when I, did, I remember doing this in a previous school, 97% attendance mathematically is one day off per half term. It's six days off in the year gets you 97% attendance. That needs to be translated to kids and to parents, because if you don't talk about that, then they're not gonna know what 97% attendance even means. So 97% attendance, I believe it's something like 195 school days, something like that. If you calculate it, to, to lose 3% means you missed six days. So that could be if you average it out one day each half term. Once you communicate that to parents from the outset, then they're starting to think, oh golly, oh gosh. So these schools are actually expecting our kids in all the time. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. So that's my advice. And 95 cents, do the maths. I can't work it out off the top of my head. You're looking at something like every 1% every correlates to two days. So 10 days off, essentially, gets you 95% attendance, roughly. Um, something like that. Yeah, 10 days off across the year will get you 95%. Yeah, 2% everything. I'm just doing the quick maths in my mind. So translate that to parents. Don't communicate percentages without translating it. Whenever I send attendance letters out and I've said things like, right, so-and-so is at, well, our attendance target is X. That means this. That is a lot more powerful for parents because they don't understand the percentages. Because why would they? They're not worked in schools before. So that's one piece of advice I'll give as well. Um, anyone else at any point, if you have advice about driving attendance up, please drop it in the chat. Um, because this is, I think schools are setting themselves up to fight battles when they're saying, oh, your child's percentage is 94 or 93. We need to get them to 95, 96. The parent says, what does that mean? The parent says, what does that mean? Because how would they know? How would they know? So that's one thing as well. Um, ah, D yeah, Dan, you've just come in. You've just, you've hit me on my next point. So the next thing you should be doing when you're t talking to parents is as Dan says, so Dan in the chat has said, I agree, I think it's more effective to state days, weeks, and link it back to learning loss, 100%. So what he's meaning there is missed days off correlates to missed hours of learning, which correlates to missed weeks of learning, which can correlate to missed years if you extrapolate the data across their entire school. So I, th I think I actually saw an image on Twitter today. I can't remember where it is. Someone posted a table and it said something like, if you miss one day a week and you do this for a term and you do this for a year and you do this for five years it it kind of extrapolates to being this amount of pardon this amount of learning lost and it ends up being like weeks lost and when you show those figures be transparent with kids they're the people who need to get into school the kids need to understand the rationale about why we push attendance so much and why we make why we show these data in R. and you know those graphs where they have like um, they put the, on the x-axis, I think they've got attendance and on the y-axis, I think they've got grades or average grades of five, six above, something like that. And you can see the data saying those that attend 
upwards of 95% throughout their school life, just do better in exams. Those kind of things need to be translated like often to students. I feel like maybe we do it at the start or maybe we drip feed maybe once a year, but it should punctuate. If you want kids to think about their attendance, it should punctuate their daily life. Not, well, not maybe not daily, weekly, half-termly life. You need to talk about the correlation between attendance and success academically, not just once at the start of their time in year seven and expect them to remember it, especially as you get to crunch time near year 11 and year 10, when attendance matters even more so, well, I'll say even more so, attendance has kind of greater ramifications as you're going to be taking your assessments later that year or next year. You need to be transparent about what it means. You miss one day, that means you miss six lessons. If you do that again, next week, you now miss 12 lessons. If you keep doing that, blah, 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 that's the message you want to be sending to your kids. And that's the message you want to be sending to their parents as well. Because if you just talk about attendance percentages, it doesn't mean anything to parents. It doesn't mean. And Daryl's coming in the chat saying he agrees with Dan. Dan, I agree with you as well. Akash, welcome. Um, Liam, welcome. We're talking about attendance. I've given two, well, two or three or four roughly of my own advice on how to improve school attendance. The first, someone's to have an attendance officer that's on their job, no nonsense, no frills. They're not there to be liked. An attendance officer that's on their grind. Um, and then I spoke about the threshold for authorization of absences. You need to make sure your threshold for authorizing these absences is high so that you're saying, yeah, yeah, headaches, we're not, we're not authorizing a headache right now. Um, we expect them to we expect to see them in the afternoon. <laughs> We're not authorizing that. That's not good enough reason because we can handle a headache in school. They can get some water, send them in with, a, with some food and some water, and we'll give them some time out in, in the medical room if they need it. We can manage them in school. If you come on that kind of angle, parents are like, ah, hmm, yeah, I'll send them in then. And then it filters down to the kids. No nonsense. Next piece of advice is um, for me, yeah, I've seen a lot letters. And threshold letters, I think, are quite important. And I think if you really, if you really want to boost attendance, don't wait until people get to 95%, 94%, 93% before you start sending out letters saying, oh, this is, this is slipping. I don't have the figure in mind, but my advice is we, all, we, also, we know that obviously 90% lower than is counted as persistent absenteeism. For that to be such a strict label, you can't wait till 90% to be sending letters out to parents saying, oh, by the way, you're now considered a persistent absentee. If it's that important, then you should be sending letters when they drop below the 95% mark, being, ah, just so you know, so-and-so has fallen below 95% attendance. So what, and then I think, what if you could do, it's quick, it's maths, isn't it? I think I had a parent once who said to me, and at this moment, I was like, they just don't understand. A parent said to me once, um, their child had dropped down to 98 or 97. And the parents said to me, ah, how long would it take for them to get back to 100? <laughs> it was at that moment, it was at that moment in early in my career of being ahead of, ahead of year, I was like, you guys just don't get it. You guys don't get it. So I was like, no, 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 we need to translate these percentages. So in the same way, so I think in these attendance threshold letters, I think what you would say is something like, right, your child's percentage is 94% for example. That means they have missed, I think it's 12 days. Well, mm, that'll, that'll be across a whole school year. I don't, depends on how, how long the time period's been. I think if you have the time and the calculations, you say, right, in this time period, that means they've missed X amount of days of school. If this were to continue on the same trend, they would miss this many days of school across the year. And what that correlates to is this many lessons. 
And what that correlates to is this lost learning. And we know that. And then therefore we're given your, your child is at a disadvantage now of being successful in year 11 when they do their GCSEs or their A-levels or whatever else, because that's what parents want for their child. Link it back to that. But start those attendance letters before the 90% mark is my advice. So that parents are getting it drip fed to them and they're like, they're all oh, crud, the school's on our case. Let me send little Ralph in or little Alfred in or little Ahmed in. Let me make sure. And that in tandem with an attendance officer that is ringing up saying, no, we're not authorizing, by the way. Not good enough. They're on 94%. You can't be keeping them off for a headache or because their tummy's not. Send them in. And if they're throwing up in school, then yeah, fair enough. We might, we might send them home. But if they start to subside, then send them in. That kind of, that kind of tone. Cool. And again, welcome those guys in the studio. If you have any advice that you want to share or think that people would like to hear, anything that's been affected in your school, drop it in the chat, call in, and I can disseminate it out. Next thing around attendance that came to mind. I tried this in a previous school. I don't know if you guys have had this before. Um, in a previous school, they started a initiative where they called them, I don't know what they called them, like welcome back meetings or welcome back conversations. And what they organized was every time a child returned from an absence, I think even if it was a one day off, they would have to go to the canteen and have a sit down meeting with either a senior member of staff or a member of the pastoral team about their absence and what it was for and their attendance, blah, blah, blah. That was orchestrated by SLT. Let me know your thoughts on that. Have you ever had anything like that before? I can't, I don't know if they're still running it now. I don't work at that school anymore. Um, and I don't actually know because at that time I wasn't involved in SLT. I don't know what the impact was, but that seems like a very, that's a rigorous, that's like you had a day off. Now you're going to sit down and meet me in the morning. And we're going to talk about it. That seems very, maybe that's something that you think you could do in your school if you've got the capacity. I'm not going to vouch for it either way because I didn't see the evidence of what it, what impact it had on attendance, unfortunately but it is an idea. So um, yeah, just to clarify, the attendance team, if someone had, would come back in after a day's absence, they had some sort of tracking system where it flagged to them, oh, um, Kaylee's back in and she wasn't here yesterday. That means she goes on a list and then the pastoral team went round during form time or they sent round the list during form time, I can't remember. And then any kid would then have to walk down to the canteen and lined up to go one in, one out. Well, not one in, one out. 10 in at a time, meeting with 10 different members of staff and they had their attendance certificates there. It was very formal, like it was, it was very formal. But I guess my, my thinking on it now, reflecting on it, is all well and good. It's all well and good talking to the kid, but are we talking to the parent? That's my question. Are we holding the parents accountable? Because yeah, you can have the meeting with the kid saying, oh, your attendance is, is this, but the kid will just try the same trick. Or we'll try the same thing. The kid ain't going to just be like, oh, now I'm not going to tell my mum that I've got a headache. They're going to try to tell the mum they got a headache or the dad they got a headache or the carer they got a headache. And they're going to try the same thing again. So on reflection, I'm thinking, did we do as much with the parents and carers to say, right, your child's on this. We can't authorise many more absences for you because it's not going to fly. So that was a missing piece, I think. Um, Dan, you've typed in the chat the letter I. <laughs> I don't know if that was the start of a comment. So yeah, finish your comment off if you... um. If you have something to, to contribute, we much appreciate it. What's the next thing that comes into mind for me? Attendance are educational welfare officers, legal proceedings. No parent wants to receive a letter that we could have to go down the legal proceeding route. But admittedly, this would often happen. Um, 
Ah, right. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cut myself off for a second and go back because Dan's Dan's commented in the chat. So Dan said, I think you have to be careful with strategies like that. So he's talking about the one-to-one -one meetings, as you could easily single out the wrong kid for the wrong reason. As you said, it's a parent's responsibility. Right. So yeah, it's one of those things where if the tone of the conversation is like a, a kind of like a blaming one, then that's not right. Because a kid could have a legitimate reason for being absent, or there could be family circumstances going on that have prevented the kid from coming into school that day that maybe you're not aware of. I don't know. And yeah, I get what you're saying, Dan. You don't want to, you don't want to be too punitive or or the tone to be too um, scolding if the child's actually got more of a legitimate reason, or it's actually the parents' fault. Genuinely, it's the parents that aren't organised, or it's the parents in the morning that haven't got their stuff together, or whatever else. So yeah, I, attendance for me the you need to focus on the parents and hold them accountable. Because if you start, if because in a grand scheme of things, where it goes, if a kid doesn't come to school legally, it's the parents. The kid doesn't go to court. <laughs> the kid doesn't go to court. In the worst case scenario, the parents go to court because they're not fulfilling their duties. So as a school, I think we should mirror that. Talk to kids and say, it's nice to see you back. It's great to have you back. I know you missed yesterday. One thing I do in my maths lessons, for example, is every time a kid misses and comes in, I'm like, it's great to see you. We did a lot yesterday, so you're a little bit behind. Remember, attendance matters. We need you to be in as much as possible. But that's the only conversation I'd have. It's always forward looking. It's why I need you in because we're doing coordinates and you weren't. This is a real story. We started an introductory lesson on coordinates for a, a lower prior attaining year seven group. And a lot of them had no idea about coordinates, which is mad for me anyway. So then the lesson, ne the next lesson on the Tuesday, when three people came in that weren't here on the Monday, I was like, listen, guys, we did so much on coordinates and you weren't here. And I get that you may have had a reason, but it's really important you're back now and you're in for the rest of the week. So you don't miss any more learning because you're now behind. So I'll work with you. Don't worry, I'll work with you, but you are now behind. And that's a conversation I think you need to be having as a cultural thing across school so that kids keep hearing Oh, you missed a little bit. We'll catch you up, but you're a little bit behind now. We need you in. If they hear that, that's fine. But you don't want to have the, where were you yesterday kind of thing, because it's not their responsibility. They're 12, 13, 14 years old. It's the parents. Right, we'll move on. Um, a little bit more about attendance. Right, let's talk about, I spoke about the EWO involvement legal proceedings. I feel like that's a niche bit. That's when you've got the people whose attendance percentages are dropping to like the, the 50s, the 60s, the 40s. But the legal proceedings is the last case. If you have someone whose attendance is dropping below the 80 point, I think you do need to start telling them that you may need to involve the educational welfare team or the local authority or whatever else and say, really, guys, like we're doing as much as we can. We've had the meetings, we've done the contracts, whatever else, and it hasn't improved. They're still taking the sporadic days off one a week, two a week. So if that continues, we may need to now um, get the educational welfare team involved, which could result in fines or court appearances. And that's, that's facts. That happens if people's attendance plummets. And I think if you're if you're a pastoral lead or you work in that sector, you need to have those conversations with parents. As soon as it starts to dip into the into the 80s and so on, I think you should be candid. Especially if the actual percentage drops aren't to do with really legitimate reasons. If it is the sporadic one day off for realness, another day off next week, two days off the following week, that kind of stuff, you gotta be real, gotta be frank. Let's talk about the positives. 100% attendance awards. I saw some tweets about it. When was it? It was a little while ago. I think actually Tom Rogers tweeted about it, saying about there was some contention around whether you should have them or not. And I guess the contention is, first of all, 100% attendance is very difficult to do. And it's something, I, my thing on it is very, very difficult to have 100% attendance all the time. Well, not all the time, 100% attendance. And also what happens is people who are ill 
for legitimate reasons. So let's talk about hospitalizations. So they were off for a number, like two weeks of the year, but then they were in the rest of the time would miss out on 100% attendance awards, technically. So that's why there's a bit of a discussion debate around how, how useful they are. My thought on it is, I think you should have them, but that should not be the only way you reward attendance. I think you should recognize anyone that's demonstrated massive improvements, anyone that's overcome um, any kind of difficulty, anyone who's, yeah, anyone who was in hospital for two weeks of the year, but was in the rest of the time should get attendance recognition. Your only recognition for attendance shouldn't be 100% attendance because I think that's unrealistic. I think it doesn't take into account circumstances, personal circumstances, and so on and so forth. But I think you should recognize it. Um, I think one thing that works quite well that I've done in previous schools is rather than looking at attendance as the kind of macro across the year, we look at attendance in the half term. So we say, right, at the start of the half term, we say, no, sorry, at the end of one half term, we say next half term, um, if you're in 100% of the time, this is this is a wide, this is a kind of school-wide competition. If you're in for 100% of the time for the next six weeks, your name gets entered into a raffle and then there's some sort of prize. When you shorten, when you shorten the bracket over attendance and then you give them a tangible, I think rewarding, a, re- rewarding coming to school is fine as long as it's over a, a considerable enough period of time and also so that it's open, open to everyone. I don't think personally... Unless it's exceptional circumstances, you should reward someone for coming to school if you're not going to potentially reward other people for coming to school. So only under exceptional circumstances, I think that's fair personally, but let me know what you guys think. But yeah, so I've been in a school where they said something like, yep, six weeks, guys. If you come into school for Hunter and Tennis, your name goes in a raffle, you can win a bike. You can win a bike. And we gave away a bike to a kid. Um, who had 100% attendance for that half term. And fortunately, or funnily enough, or not even ironically, conveniently, this child also had 100% attendance for the whole year. That was just by chance. But this child ended up winning themselves a bike um, and it just had a massive boost. And the bike was out. We had the bike pinned to the wall up high out of reach, but it had like 100% attendance for the autumn half term. And there was a massive hype around it and it raised the profile. Another thing that raised the profile of attendance is if you have... Um, if you make a competition out of it. So the form groups with the most with the highest attendance for the week. So really short and sharp, tangible rewards for the form group with the highest attendance for that week. Chocolates or I don't know, or early lunch passes, or I don't know, maybe not early lunch passes, but um, chocolates, rewards, something, pizza, who knows? I think those kind of things, really short and sharp initiatives where you say, to, if you make it a tutor group um, competition, what it creates is accountability amongst peers. And I think when I talk about punctuality as well, that's huge. So if you're saying, if you make rewards around punctuality, saying, ah, oh, the, the tutor group with the highest punctuality is going to get um, pizzas on Friday next week, then you're going to get all those WhatsApp group chats. Everyone's like, yo, bro, man wants dominoes, you know, let's get to school on time, for example. And that kind of stuff. I think that will drum it out. You get accountability amongst peers and it just raises the profile. You're talking about attendance all the time and it becomes a cultural thing across the school is another idea for how you can kind of reward or encourage or boost attendance. Um, and one couple more things before we take a bit of an ad break before moving on. I think in the worst case, no, in the more extreme examples, home visits, if you've got the capacity. I spoke to my partner this morning. She mentioned that this is something that they used to, well, they do in her school or used to do in one of the schools she worked at. Um, and that's about capacity. If you've, got t- if you've got members of staff who don't teach and therefore have the capacity to go to the home visits, and visit them in the home and say, right, let's go in those situations where maybe the parents 
aren't around in the morning or the parents, for whatever reason, aren't able to, for maybe they've got their own illnesses and so on and so forth. And that's having a knocking in, knock on impact on their child's attendance, going to the house and saying, you know what, right, let's go. I know schools that have had their own minibuses and they go on a collection and they just collect the kids who have got their safeguarding concerns in the morning who, for whatever reason, parents can't support with getting them to school. Going the extra mile will boost your attendance in those extreme circumstances as well. And last but not least is the school refusers. I created some advice a while ago for how to deal with school refusers. And this advice I disseminated to any parent who had a child that was being a school refuser quite often. Um, this advice was a bit like a flow chart. Whether they used it or not, who knows? <laughs> but I sent it out to them via email. And it kind of said things like, it was things that most people think are quite normal or quite like the standard, things like engage with your child's timetable the evening before, for example. That was like top of the flow chart. Talk about their school day. On a Sunday night, talk about Monday school day. Look at the school day. Look at the school timetable. What's this, what are you looking forward to? What are you not looking forward to? What's a put off? What is, um, welcome Newton. Well, what's, what's the deterrent? What are you worried about? Engage it beforehand. If you notice any issue and they're saying, ah oh, man, history or ah oh, man, English or ah, oh, I've got some issue with my friends or ah, oh, there's a fallout. Communicate that to heads of year beforehand and say, do you know what? I've emailed your head of year already. I've told them that you've got an issue with your history or your English lesson and you had an issue last time and they're gonna sort it out for your Monday. Yeah, get ahead of the game. And this was the advice I gave to a parent. Um, whether it helped or not, who knows, but the kid's been in school. Um, but yeah, that was on the piece of advice. And then later on, again, in the morning, making sure you've got a routine in the morning, blah, 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 saying, right, waking up. Remember, I spoke to your head of year already. And they said they're going to sort out that English lesson for you. Or they're going to they're gonna talk to that teacher. Or they're going to pick you up in the morning and sort out that friendship issue. Or they're going to pick you up in the morning and talk to you about your anxiety, all that kind of stuff. Get ahead of the curve. So that when the kid or the child comes back to the parent and tries to say, oh, yeah, but you say, no, 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 no. I've spoken to them and we want you to be successful. And that was the advice I gave to parents of school refusers. And they, they said thanks, but whether it helped or not, who knows? But I think just getting ahead of the curve and telling parents and giving them advice rather than just saying, oh, your kid's not in school again, sort it out, legal proceedings, isn't the best way to support a parent who's struggling to get their child into school because the parent is it knows they're struggling they know they feel like they're failing so telling them that you're going to find them isn't going to help but i think putting a pastoral wrap around care for the child if they've got anxieties you're saying right we'll have a men we have a mentoring in the morning for example saying right you've got your mentoring session monday morning so i know you struggled over the weekend blah 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 those kind of initiatives can really boost the child's attendance so yeah that's my kind of thing on attendance um i just kind of wrote down some ideas disseminate them to you guys. Hopefully people, when they listen back to this, um, when they listen back to this podcast on Spotify or via the ttradio.org forward slash listen back, I'll be tweeting it out. My tweet, my Twitter handle, my Twitter handle is at Khalil underscore R91. What's going to happen now is going to take a break for the ads and the sponsors. That will take about seven to eight minutes in that time. Go take a break yourself. And after the break, we're going to come back and get into the Twitter threads. And these Twitter threads are all about punctuality whether that's punctuality to school in the morning or it's actually punctuality to lessons in the day as well. So we're going to get into that after this break. And if you have any more ideas around attendance and pushing for that, drop them in the chat and then I'll make, more, I'll make sure to shout them out after hearing from our sponsors.
This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. According to a report in the Times Educational Supplement, schools are struggling to create the collegiate environment required for recovery post-pandemic, as a result of the top-down pressure experienced by school leadership teams. Results of a new survey show that one-third of teachers cite management issues in schools as the reason most likely to lead them to quitting the profession, along with pay and working conditions. CEO of the Chartered College, Alison Peacock, has called for more support for teachers as a response to this survey. She warned, education recovery will only occur if teachers and leaders are provided with necessary support. General Secretary of the NAS UWT Teaching Union, Dr Patrick Roach said, the government must do more to tackle adverse and bullying management practices in schools. Teacher wellbeing is vital to securing country's education recovery after the pandemic. The survey of 4,690 teachers was carried out by TeacherTap on behalf of BET UK.
In Ethiopia, Education Minister Biranu Nega announced that the conflict unleashed by the Tigray People's Liberation Front has seriously affected the access to schools of more than 3 million students in the areas invaded since June. More than 1,200 schools have been completely destroyed due to the war, while three universities in Amara State were totally or partially damaged by the Tigrayan forces. The rebuilding of these institutions will cost in the region of $2 million. In Kenya, the Education Cabinet Secretary, Professor George Magoa, has voiced his hope that vocational and technical training in the country will be strengthened to help with the country's economic development. Magoa said the demand for plumbers, electricians, technicians and artisans was rising, challenging learners to take advantage of the demand and acquire the necessary skills to fill up the gaps. He said, we must tell our people that every job is important. At technical and vocational education and training institutions, you can develop skills that can address an existing problem in the community and in turn secure employment. We must move away from the examination orientated system and impart skills in our learners to ensure that they are competent to face the workforce. The government has rolled out an annual 2 billion Kenyan shilling conditional grant to vocational training colleges to boost enrolment. This has been your weekend Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, today I'm responding to a tweet from Michelle Stevens at M underscore Stevens Zero, pointing out to at Team English One that a lot of people don't know about the snipping tool, and she was compiling a list of shortcuts. The thread sparked a lot of fantastic responses and inspired today's Two Minute Tech. Today I present Getting Snippy With It. In Windows, a simple shortcut combo of Windows plus Shift plus S opens the snipping tool. The snipping tool is like an advanced version of print screen. After the combo key press, a small menu appears giving you five options. Rectangle select, which is draw a box around what you want, freeform select which is draw a shape around what you want, window select which is pick the window you want to capture, screen select which captures the full screen or replication of the print screen button. Some may say there's no point to this but stay tuned, there is. Finally there's a cross to close and pressing escape can do the same thing. If you have an interactive board you can pin snip and sketch to your taskbar, right click the icon and select pin to taskbar. Now you can press it to make screen grabs and not have to go over to the keyboard. Snip and Sketch also gives you the ability to annotate on a screenshot. To make this even more powerful, did you know pressing Windows and V shows your last 25 captures to your clipboard? The first time you use this, you'll need to switch on the feature by pressing Windows and V and agreeing to switch it on. Now you can take several screen captures and then paste them into the app you're presenting with. This can be very time efficient. For this week's visual version of the episode, I've made a series of clips and given some real life examples of using the snipping tool. So don't forget to check out TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. You're your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
live from London. This is the Sunday Lunch with Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. First of all, I hope you liked the little remix I did on the start to that intro with a little stutter. It is now 1.49 on Sunday, the 27th of Feb, and you're tuning in to Sunday Lunch Show with me, Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. If you've just tuned in, you've missed a lot of tips and advice on how to boost attendance, but for this second part of the show, we're going to talk about how to boost and improve punctuality. That means punctuality to school, but also punctuality to lessons. Live from London, this is the Sunday Lunch with Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash TT Radio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Welcome back. Welcome back. And thank you to those that have stayed in the room. <laughs> it's much appreciated. Um, so yeah, those of you that just, if you've just joined or joined later on in the, sh- well, joined later on, you've missed a little bit of a chat about attendance. Um, and if you want to listen back to it, hopefully there's some, some things, some food for thought. You just have to head to www.ttradio.org forward slash listen back, or you can just follow me on Twitter, which is at Khalil, which is my name on the show, but underscore R91. Or you can follow hashtag, I should just, I should promote this more, hashtag pastoral CPD. That is also where you'll find a lot of, you'll find all these pastoral CPD clinics where I talk about things relevant to the pastoral world because I feel like there's a gap in CPD. And the vision, I was talking about my partner about it today. I, I have a vision. I don't know what the vision is yet, but I feel like I, there's a gap. I just want to fill the gap. I know there are some people that are trying to fill it as well with behavior and that kind of stuff. But in terms of the same way we have so much emphasis on pedagogy, I feel like we need to have the same emphasis on whatever the word would be for CP, for pastoral issues, whether it's called pastoral CPD or not, whatever. That's the idea. That's the vision behind it. So please use the pastoral CPD um, hashtag if you want to throw up any ideas or any advice or have any advice or you want to ask for any assistance on any pastoral issue in the same way that people use hashtag, I don't know, pastoral things, throw pastoral, pastoral CPD in there as well. Cool. For the last 40 minutes, we're going to talk about punctuality. Some of you are late to this show, so shame on you. Um, but these, this part of the show was inspired by two tweets that were sent out a little while ago. One was actually sent earlier this month on February the 21st, not by me, by someone else. And there was so much advice that came underneath this tweet so i feel like i've got a role here to first of all disseminate the advice that people give um give my own spin on the advice it's just my personal opinion on the advice and also if you guys have any advice on how to first of all reduce lateness to school so not lessons to school um it'll be much appreciated so this tweet was sent out and it said that the person was looking for some strategies or interventions used in other secondary schools to reduce lateness to school in the morning not really lessons but yeah to Delays in the morning. And then this person underneath their own tweet said that they currently use a system where students are logged on Sims for minutes late to in reception, and then a 10-minute detention is held for those students during their break time. I will get into talking about sanctions and stuff in a moment. But my first thing and my kind of query and things I'll ask you guys in the room is it's all well and good trying to get kids to come to school on time. But as with most things around behavior and expectations, the rationale needs to be clear and the rationale needs to be communicated. If you're just telling kids to be on time to school um, and you say things like, oh, because you need to make sure you're in your lessons, then I hope you're not a school that starts with tutor time because the kid will then think, ah, tutor time, 
um, true time is not as important as lessons. So as long as I arrive in time for my, my period one lesson, then it's fine. And I know that's been the mindset of a lot of kids in the past. So you need to communicate the rationale, but the rationale needs to be consistent across the school. So if you're going to say you need to be on time, then what are they being on time for? If it's tutor time, then say that. But then you need to communicate why tutor time is so important. Because if you don't know, if you can't pitch why tutor time is important, then what are they arriving on time for to tutor time for? So that's a question I'm going to throw out there. I do, I do, I do wonder. And I just ask the question. I know some schools did that thing where they actually flip the day a little bit and they start with lessons instead. And they say, do you know what? Eight thirty. As soon as you're in, you go straight into a lesson, and then they can come with the rationale of you need to be in school on time by eight thirty. Otherwise, you're losing it on learning time, academic learning time. But I don't know what the norm is these days. I don't know what the average is. My school, we have tutor time in the morning. But our tutor time is pitched as a way to develop their character. We, they, have, they have speakers. They not kind of music speakers. People come and do presentations. Of course, they've got like assemblies. They do their PSHE through tutor time. They talk about um, relationships, sex, education. I just said that because that's PSHE. They do things around ethics. They do things around values. And that's what we sell as the, the reason why they need to be in school on time, because tutor time is valuable in their development of character. Karen, welcome. I see you. Karen, you're late. This was about punctuality and you're late. <laughs> but um, we're talking about punctuality now. So I was saying, yeah, so our tutor time is pitch. We sell our tutor time. So when we talk to parents about the rationale for being on time, we don't talk about lessons because there's a, there's a half an hour gap. We talk about the value of tutor time. Another, of course, rationale for arriving on time is, yes, of course, we are preparing them for the working world. We're preparing them for the, the world of universities or colleges where they need to be more independent. They need, to, they need to understand the value of turning up on time to professional things. We're not talking about social occasions, a little shindig at your mate's house. We're talking about meetings, um, conferences, lectures, and so on and so forth. So they, it needs to become, they need to become trained in knowing that something starts at 8.30, therefore I need to be there before 8.30 so that I'm ready. So that's, of course, the more common rationale. But the kid then says, yeah, but man's in school, innit? So I'm not at work. So I'll learn that when I get to year 13, thanks, or year 12. So then you need a fallback plan, whether it's your lessons or whether it's pitching your the value of your tutor time. And I do wonder, I do ask, if your tutor time isn't for those kind of character development things, what is your tutor time being used for? Question. Tell me what you think about, sorry. Um, what is your true time being used for? And is it a valuable use of their time? Is it just a question? Reflect on it. Because sometimes if you ask the kids what they're doing, and the thing is with tutor time is often they're not that, they're not regulated in the same way that lessons are. You don't really have that many tutor time observations. So maybe it's worth doing some tutor time observations just to see what the student experience is like in tutor time. Because maybe kids are turning up later to school because they just don't see the value in being in time because when they get to tutor time, they don't really do much. Maybe they sit and just chat and it's not really worth their time. Maybe. So it is worth doing a bit of, if ever you want to make some changes, start looking at the student experience and see what they're supposed to be doing in the morning. And if it's being a wasted half an hour, then maybe that explains why kids are late to school. If it starts in a more valued half an hour, or it's sold or it's revamped as a really purposeful half an hour of, I don't know, character development, for example, or current affairs, or um, universities, or college, I don't know, something, then it adds value to tutor time, and then you can use that as your rationale for why you need to be on time. So that's one little idea that came to mind um, when I first when I first, first start thinking about punctuality. Um, Karen, Karen came in. <laughs> Karen, 
Kara's in the chat saying she was going to say BPT. Um, those who don't know what BPT is, you know what we're talking about. If you don't know what BPT is, chance that it doesn't, it doesn't refer to you anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so Karen said they started tutor time observations and getting be- disseminating best practice. Because I'm going to be frank, I've worked in schools where tutor time is a DOS. Tutor time is just, and being real, I'm not going to, I'm not going to slate any teacher because tutor time might be that time because let's say the, tu- the, tu- the teacher's got a five period day and they're late in the morning to school because they have their own children to take care of. Maybe that half an hour is the only time in the day they've got for that final bit of prep in the morning to get their lessons sorted. So I can understand how tutor time can fall by the wayside. But if that's happening, then don't start berating kids all the time for being late to school because there's something systemically wrong. Um, some, maybe there's maybe there's something systemically wrong um, with your tutor time setup or whatever else. So that's food for thought, food for thought. And I think doing some observations of tutor time is powerful. Right, next thing that came to mind on punctuality was always for the persistently late, it's better to get to the root cause rather than before you get to sanctions. For the persistently late to school, it's better to meet, talk to parents, talk to the kid, work out what is causing this, because there may be some safeguarding concerns. And if you don't address the safeguarding concerns, or if you don't address the pastoral issue under, underlying their punctuality issues in the morning, if you don't address them or, or make reasonable adjustments for them, then there's no point talking about sanctions yet. So that's one thing also. So if you have someone who's late two, three times a week, have a meeting with them and their parents and say, right, cool, what's going on? so-and-so is late to, to school quite often, talk to me about what happens in the morning. You might find out they're a young carer. You might find out that their parents um, leave to go to work and leave them in the morning on their own. They have to fend for themselves in the morning, get themselves up and ready. Not saying that's neglect, but that's useful safeguarding info. So you can work with the parents and say, right, can we, is there some sort of strategy? I don't know, I'm just kind of throwing ideas out, but it's better to get to the root cause in those more acute circumstances before you start talking about sanctions. Because sanctions where I'm going to come to later, but I'd always advise on a pupil folk, on a pupil specific basis, what is causing their lateness? Because you need to address that first before you start thinking about detentions and so on and so forth. Those of you that have just come in the studio, welcome. We're talking about punctuality. Earlier in the show, we spoke about attendance and boosting that. And I kind of threw out a whole bunch of ideas around how to boost attendance in schools. So if you want to go and listen back to that, please do. You can just head to Spotify and just search my name, or you can search the Sunday lunch show or search TT radio. We've got so many shows every day of the week, morning, noon, and night. Uh, my show is always on a Sunday lunchtime from one till two 30. Next thing around punctuality. When I responded to this tweet on Twitter, of course, my first question was to the, the to the person who sent it is do their parents know that they're late to school is my question and i don't mean i don't mean like when you have parents evening every whenever in six weeks time you'll let them know but on a daily basis do their parents know if the answer is no then you've got a missing piece in the in the system because the people that are mostly responsible for getting the kids on time are the parents so in the same way when i speak about attendance earlier you need to start with them. So what they first need to know is that their child's actually being late. So depending on what system you use, um, we use a system called Bromcom. Um, Not many schools use Bromcom, but Bromcom, you can send out automated text messages attached to behavior events. So if your behavior event was late, then automatically you'll send a text to the parent of that child saying so, and it'll automate it with the child's name and whatever else. It'll say so-and-so child was late to school this morning. Please do your best to support support them in being on time to school 
in the future, like something like that, some template, and it gets sent out automatically. I know that some schools use something called class charts. That's not that can work in tandem with things like Sims, but class charts also has that's like a behavior system and it's integrated with Sims, and that can also churn out automatic text messages. I don't know if Sims can. Someone let me know if Sims can. I don't know if Sims have been revamped to the point where it can. I don't work with Sims anymore. Um, but anything where you send out automatic text to parents, because often they pack their kid up in the morning. They say their kid's out of school at 7.30. What happens? The kid just goes to the shop. The kid takes their time. The kid's a, a, a slow walker. The kid just bucks their mates or meets their mates. Let me translate. The kid meets up with their mates in the morning um, and they just wander in late to school. Parent is unaware. As far as they're concerned, they did their job. Their kid got to left the house on time. So my first advice is let the parents know. Let them know through texts and it's immediate. Every day, boom, text, child's late, boom, text, your child's late again, boom, text, your child's late again. And if that doesn't solve the problem and there are no root causes of a safeguarding issue that you need to address, then it's time to talk about the sanctions. <laughs> then it's time to talk about the sanctions. And the word I'd use for the type of sanction I think you need for lateness, if it's so important as a as a focal point of your school, the word I'd use is disproportionate. For lateness, because lateness can be on a spectrum, you could be five minutes late. And if you're saying that's unacceptable, then as far as I'm concerned, the best sanctions are disproportionate. <laughs> By that I mean, I had an issue of lateness in my school when I was head of year, and it didn't, let me just clarify, the disproportionate sanctions didn't happen to everyone. The disproportionate sanctions were always kind of threatened um, as someone's late started to rack up. So if they started to accumulate two lates in a week, three lates in a week, then we'd say to the child, if this happens again next week, the sanction is going to escalate. So at first, they just get maybe a little, little negative mark in their plan, which may result in a detention. This is my school I'm talking about. But eventually, for some kids, we're talking about two or three or four in the year group, the persistent late pupils ended up losing their entire lunch instead if they were late at all. Yeah, so if they were five minutes late in the morning, their entire lunch was gone. They had a lunchtime detention. They didn't socialize at lunchtime. I know the person who sent the tweet out said they did a 10-minute break detention. As far as I'm concerned, that's not enough of a deterrent. When I look at that and think, chill, someone's calling in, interesting. Um, we'll see what happens here. Hello, can you hear me? I'll invite them again. Uh, mm, no, okay. Okay, either way, if you want to call in, uh, Ziad, please do. Um, I know people just, but then I always get a bit dubious when someone enters the call, enters the room and then calls in because I feel like they feel like they're in like a, I don't know what, what I'd even call this, but I feel like that happens. And often the last time, I don't know if you guys are in the studio, last time someone called in and they entered the studio and then called in and they end up abusing me. Like it wasn't pleasant. So <laughs> I'm, I'm always a bit dubious sometimes. So where was I? So in terms of sanctions, disproportionate. So like I said, Lunchtime gone. The kids are like, what? Just a five minutes? Yes, lunchtime gone. And slowly but surely, this, this child was able to leave school and leave home a little bit earlier and walk a little bit faster. And th that's why I'd say, so my advice is disproportionate sanctions. I spoke to my partner this morning and she said in her school, if people are late, their school doesn't have a no phones policy. So that means if they're late, then they lose their phone. So if they, have it, they, they come into school, but they're late, then they have to hand their phone in. And apparently that's turned into a massive deterrent. And you have the kids running into the building because they want to lose their phone. The counter question becomes, what if a child doesn't bring a phone to school? That's a counter question because then what's the, what's the sanction for them? 
Um, and the, also the counter question is, if they refuse to hand their phone, and obviously you need you need a follow-up. So then it might turn into an internal exclusion, for example. But I do wonder what happens to the kids that don't bring phones to school. But I know most kids do, so it may catch them. It may catch them. So let's go back to the, the tweet, because these are my ideas. Let's see what people say um, on Twitter. So I spoke about mine already. Someone else said that parents receive a late text and the detention increases each time and then they have parent meetings and they have late reports. So I'm assuming a piece of paper that has to get signed in the morning. But this is my thing with reports. I'm going to be really frank. Reports are only as good as the parents monitoring at home and reports are only as effective as a parents enforcing some sort of either an incentive or a consequence for performance on the report. If the report is just a piece of paper that they're filling in, they take it home, they show the parent or carer, and the parent or carer goes, okay, do better. And they go the next day, do the same thing. Like, who is that? That's not benefiting anyone because they're not feeling anything in terms of whether they're being incentivized or whether they're being deterred. So if you're doing a late report, cool. But you need to have an agreement with the parent to say, right, if they're late, then yes, we can do our thing in school, but can you support us at home as well? What do they like doing? <laughs> can you take the games away? Can you take the phone away for the evening? Can you blah, blah, blah. Can you support us to support our, support your child? Because unfortunately, I know it's not always the case. I know parents have numerous, they're dragged in numerous directions, but the report is only as effective as those that are, those that are enforcing at home or in school. So you can't just have a piece of paper without any kind of follow-up. Um, yeah, so then someone else on Twitter said, this person said they made huge progress in this area. They said they've got now clear systems and processes they found educating children and parents and the heavy same-day sanction. I agree with that, heavy same-day sanction. So when someone was late, they had a same-day deten sanction detention after school. And then they also said they do pastoral follow-up to support persistent lateness to understand the cause. So kind of echoing what I said earlier, someone else has said lots of clear communication with parents and learners unpicking the barriers, breakfast clubs, interventions to encourage early arrivals, and also recognizing improvements and successes. Can you incentivize? And this is what, oh, this is what I get, this is what I think sometimes. Should you reward? I don't think, and I said it about attendance as well, I don't agree personally with rewarding someone for, for example, coming to school on time or attending school unless it's exceptional circumstances, unless you're going to offer the same reward to the other students in school. So unless it's exceptional circumstances, I personally don't agree with saying to a child, oh, if you're on time, so if someone's been late 30 times recently and you say, right, do you know what? If you're on time every day for the next two weeks, you'll get this prize. The kids who have been on time the whole time will look at you like, bro, hold on, I've been on time the whole time and I've got nothing. So it has to be exceptional circumstances um, for me personally to try and um, reward someone for being on time if it's an expected standard. I don't agree with rewarding students for doing what's just minimum expected unless it's exceptional circumstances. That's my caveat. Uh, where was I now? Yes, that was recognizing improvement, celebrating excess. Someone said that they used to do break time detentions, but then they found that after school has more impact, definitely. I don't know how you guys feel in your school. What's the biggest deterrent, lunchtime or after school? Some stuff feel like it's lunchtime, you know? I feel like people, kids hate break time, lunchtime gone. I feel like it's the biggest deterrent. After school's not nice either, but I feel like they're more, I feel like the kid is more confident about being able to skip an after school, depending on the school system. Um, but I don't know what you find out which is the bigger deterrent, 
I know for kids in my school, I feel like if I say you're going to lose your lunch, they're like, oh, not my lunch, because that's their time for play basketball. That's their time to kick the ball about. That's their time to chat with their mates. That's their time to whatever. So I feel like lunchtime is more of a deterrent for, for some kids, but it depends on the child. And then Miss Kato Sem said in the chat that lunchtime works best in her school. I think it's a big, I, that's the time, like you've got all the fun stuff, table tennis, football, basketball, chilling with your friends, bus and joke, blah, 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 blah. If you take that, if you say you're going to take that away, that child might start making better choices, turn up to school on time. Um, someone in said in, that, in the thread that they sent out letters about lateness. And I think that, that's a useful thing as well to make sure parents know. Um, same day lunch attention, someone said, increased contact with home and so on and so forth. I can't say any more kind of, um, innovative ideas, but that that the common themes are existing. Keeping parents informed immediately and disproportionate sanctions, but not forgetting to try and get to the root of the cause if there's something more serious of a safeguard in nature at the heart of it, because you need to fix that or support that first rather than just trying to sanction, 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 because that's not fair. Um, yeah, so then that's 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 the theme. What else did I come up with around punctuality? If anyone else has come up with any ideas or any thoughts or anything that's worked well in your school, please throw it into the chat. Um, the last thing I came, nothing, that was it. So I think that was it. The last bit. So it's what I might do, actually, let me just take a break and a sip of water. Um, so that means I've got my little transition music. I'm not playing my transition music in ages. Just give me time to have a little sip. You know what's funny? My glass was empty. <laughs> I finished my water in the in the news break. So then when I said I had a little sip, I picked up and saw I had one drop. So I took one drop of water just then. Let's get into the last little bit. The last little bit, which I think is relevant to every practitioner, is punctuality. But we're not talking about punctuality to school anymore. We're talking about punctuality to lessons. Yeah, transitions, coming into school, not coming to school lateness to lessons let me know in the chat anything that's worked well that you've kind of any initiative you've come up with recently that has kind of boosted punctuality or raised the profile of the importance of being on time to lessons or increase the deterrence or whatever else let me know in the chat if you've come up with something of course i've got my own ideas but these are just things that come off my at the top of my head they may not be suitable in every context but they are just some ideas again this was inspired by a tweet from someone else on twitter unsurprisingly and this tweet started with, let me find it. They said, sorry, let me just find it. Let me just scroll my Twitter. Here we go. This person said, any head of year or pastoral leaders out there willing to share any tested methods on how they deal with persistent lateness to lessons would be interested to hear some creative ideas and chat. Yeah, and they act, and they mention a lot of pastoral people. I do feel sometimes I might need to put pastoral in my, in my Twitter name. Because then maybe people would like search me more. Who knows? Um, but I don't put like pastoral Khalil sounds awful. Like, and I like the fact that my name is there. I don't mind. I'm owning my name. Um, but maybe, maybe I should put pastoral in my name. Who knows? Maybe castor. <laughs> I'm not doing that. That's nonsense. But anyways, so this tweet said, yeah. So any creative strategies to deal with lateness to lesson with any initiative. And I learned this from my, my senior leadership training that I'm trying to do at the moment with any initiative that you're trying to put into a school, do not just try and pluck something from one school and plop it into your own. First piece of advice, you need to try and look at, look at your school as a specific um, circumstances and try to work out what the issue is. 
So that could come from observing transitions that could come from talking to kids that could come from observing corridors, being out and about and just seeing what is it that is making students late. Someone else has just joined the room and has called in. Let's see. Oh, no, they've gone away. Um, so yes, yeah, just that's my first piece of advice with any initiative. It doesn't matter if it's pastoral or anything else before you, before you introduce it, just make sure it's actually going to hit the heart of the issue is my advice. I know it's easier said than done, but it's all well and good throwing in initiatives. But if you don't know what the actual crux of the issue you're trying to solve is or address, then it's just going to fail. Well, not fail. It's not going to be as successful. So we've got Liam. Thank you, Liam. I think Liam is a person who did the actual other tweet. Yeah, Liam, you are. <laughs> Liam, I could have, now you're in the shoot, I could have, um, I should have mentioned you. Liam was a person who did the original tweet around, no, sorry. Liam is a person, yeah, Liam is a person who did the lateness to school. Um, so shout out to you, Liam. Thanks for coming in the studio. So Liam said in the chat that they're starting a new punctuality report tomorrow for persistently late students. Um, every minute late per lesson is added up, and that is how long they start after they stay after school on a Friday. And he's saying thoughts on this. This was taken from a few different sources on Twitter. <sighs> My thoughts on it. You. Uh, there are so many nuanced situations that can result in a child being late to a lesson. I guess you need to be prepared for the nuances. For example, another teacher, another the, the most like out of their hands circumstance is the previous lesson overran. If this is a year 11 child who kind of where their lessons change all the time and they're not with the same group and maybe they just had French and they go into maths and their French teacher's lesson overran for whatever reason or they were kept behind um, and then they turn up late to the next lesson for what sounds like a legitimate reason, you need to be prepared for that. And in terms of preparation, whether you then have a situation where they need to therefore get written evidence that they're with another teacher, for example, or, or, or something like that. You need to have that in place. Otherwise, you may have children who turn up late and they're saying, sir, miss, I was late because I stayed with madam. She came behind, she wanted to talk to me about my homework. They turn up late to that next lesson. The teacher's going to be a bit conflicted. Or you then say it's zero tolerance blanket. If you're late, you're late, which I think is harsh, personally. So I think you need to have a nuanced approach where you where you kind of where you need to you need to kind of think of all the different permutations of what could happen and be prepared or second guess them and say some for me if I'm thinking about that if you're going to do a punctuality report which I think can be effective it needs to be something like if you are late for a legitimate reason because the only legitimate reasons that you can be late for a lesson are if you're talking to a teacher if you were talking to a teacher because they've kept you behind or in the corridor teachers need to know but also kids need to know that you need to get written something a written note in the planner or something um and then that will then that kind of covers that base because otherwise they'll turn up late and they'll give you a legitimate reason and then the teachers are going to be stuck because they're thinking hold on do we um do we give the the, the punctuality do I, do I write down the minutes late or not i've seen you've come in and added some more context which is useful this is the thing context specific so I didn't know your school do double lessons. <laughs> so it's context specific. So in a school like mine, this punctuality report, for me, I wouldn't do it because every lesson they change over and they go from lesson to lesson. So there's like knock-on effects. 
so it wouldn't work in my school. But in your school, so Liam said in the chat that emotional intelligence is required, agreed. But he says that they do double lessons, so lateness will only be after social times. So that is important context. That's very, that is very, very important context. Um, where it does sound like it may, it may be more effective, but I will still say that something could happen at break and they could be with a teacher for a legitimate reason. They would still therefore need to ensure whose responsibility is it, by the way, is it the child's responsibility or the teacher's? I would say put it on the child. If you know you're on a late, if you know you're on a punctuality report and you're late for a legitimate reason, it's your responsibility to make sure you're going to get a note from ex teacher to say that you're with them. And then if you turn up when, if and when you turn up late to your next lesson, we know it's for a legitimate reason, something like that. I think put that in place as well, just to kind of cover your back. Um, then Dan's come in and said, it's an interesting idea. You just need to prepare for the follow-up. So what happens if they don't attend on the Friday? What next? You sometimes have to be prepared to go to the biggest sanction if you're bringing in a new punitive measure. Agreed. Especially on a Friday as well. Just skip out on a Friday. Are you willing to therefore bring it back and bring it to attention on the Monday? Or what happens on the Monday if they don't come, if they don't turn up? Are they being collected? Are they being walked down from the catch-up? I say, sorry, we use the word catch-up. Are they being walked down to the detention? Or is it on them to then come to the, the detention on the Friday? Because that's that could present some some issues and barriers because the kid might just walk out. So I think you need to to go be in the mind of a child who's already late to lessons often. They're already not bought into whatever system you want, whatever routines you're establishing. So you need to get ahead of the game. If you've got like non-teaching pastoral staff, can you use them to go round lessons at the end of the day and collect the children? Can that work if you've got the capacity? Um, if the child does it, have you got a system where you can communicate? If you've got like gate duty, can you can you communicate to those people on the gate to say, are oh, these are people on the Friday uh, detention for lateness? Keep a lookout that kind of stuff. Can you put that in place as a kind of a stop gap? Because other, you don't want a situation where you've got kids racking up the lates and then knowing that they're just going to skip the Friday and they'll just take the Monday because that's less of a deterrent. I don't know. I think you need to go through all the different permutations um, and trial it. I know it's more difficult to trial with a, with a small subset, but I guess maybe trialing it might help with one or two of your, of your main players. Maybe that, if you because you said you're doing it only for persistently late students, you can therefore decide who they are. And I think if you do, if you can do it for your main players and just a kind of a microcosm and see how they respond to it, what happens on the Fridays, if they're trying to skip the Fridays, then you, that's a signal that maybe it's not, it, it needs to be tweaked or something will need to happen in the in the interim to, to give them the best chance of actually going to that attention. Is some thoughts. Um, that's my thought. And I think it's it's an interesting concept, but... You just need to be prepared for kids not to follow the instructions. Yeah, so Liam's, Liam's come back and said he's got, he said he's got two in mind will be the trialists. Um, and also, yeah, and I think also, yeah, communicating to, I'm assuming parents are kind of on board and parents know. Um, maybe it's also communicating with the, the, the teachers who have these pupils in the last lesson. This is getting a bit more, it's getting a bit more complicated, but maybe that's a, a missing piece because who's going to be with the, who's definitely going to be with this child last lesson of the day they were the, they need to be best placed to therefore know our oh, little little Kiara has got a late detention so I need to make sure that I remind her or escort her or whatever I don't know so have a think about that as well maybe um but like it's worth it's worth thinking about um Karen's come in the chat and Karen's saying overruns and no bells 
So she looks out for persistent lateness and then gets students, and then students get ahead of department attention. Yeah, we don't have bells in our school. And my question to the room, because my school, we don't allow phones. And so phones get handed in and we don't have bells. And what I'll ask you is how many kids in your school have watches? And how many, and if their watch is cool, but how many, I know kids in year nine that can't tell the time. So they have these analog watches on their wrist and they can't tell the time. And how many clocks are visible around school? Like how, how do the kids know what the time actually is at this moment? Can they make decisions to know how late they're going to be? Because I know that no, like we have a school without any bells. So there's a great, there is a bit of a gray area. And you also have those timetables where, you know, those timetables where Ours is like lesson goes from nine to nine fifty. The next lesson is nine fifty to ten forty. The next lesson is ten. So already the timetable isn't an accurate reflection because either the lesson won't end at nine forty or the lesson won't start at nine forty. The two can't um, happen simultaneously. So there needs to be some clarity around that. But I think the best, my best advice around trying to ensure punctuated lessons isn't about initiatives for me personally, isn't about papers, isn't about reports, it's about visibility and it's about a culture of the school and it's about people being out and knowing the hotspots where kids like to congregate, knowing where they're going, where like heads of year, knowing where their year groups are supposed to be. So, you know, I remember I used to have a timetable for my year group and then you would know, oh, my year group's got maths, then they've got science, then they've got all, oh, then they've got options. And knowing who your persistent late pupils, knowing their timetable, so that when you see them waltzing, do you know what they do? Do the kids still like walk with their mates to their next lesson, even though it's not their lesson? Does that still happen? Because that used to happen in my school, my old school that wasn't as rigorous as my current one. Kids used to walk each other to lessons. Oh, I'm just going to go with Sophie so I can walk her to art. Then I'm going to go back the other way and I'm going to go to English. Does that still happen? Because if so, the only way to tackle that, if it's not a kind of hard copy report, is to be on it as pastoral teams to know who your main players are, know their timetable, be visible on the corridor where they're having their most, be out before the kids leave, be proactive. Say, right guys, you've got mass, everyone over to science. This is the way to science year 10. So that's the quickest way, please. Don't take the longest route to science. Visibility, proactivity. I think you need to not start with that, but have you got that is my question. If not, can you have it? If not, is there a capacity issue? I don't know. Like that's that's my question. I think, and also departments being visible on the end. If you've got like department corridors, the heads of department being on on job. The head department is likely to maybe not teach as much, or you're going to have non teaching um, non teaching members of the math department for that period. Can you create a culture where the non teachers for the first two minutes or changeovers, if lateness is an issue, everyone's out. I know it's radical, but maybe everyone's out in the corridors. Even if you don't have a lesson, you're on the hotspots, you're in the little corners where you know kids have to congregate, saying, right, I know you've got science, off you go. I know you've got English, down the stairs. Karen, no way, no way. This is, a, this is a Sunday lunch first. Is Karen calling in or was it a butt down? Was it, was it a mistake? Karen, was that a mistake or did you mean to call in? Because you've not called in. You've been in the show from the outset. Did you mean that or was it a random butt down? Ah. Oh. <laughs> Karen, you hear how gassed I got? You hear how gassed I got just now? I've never been more excited about a caller. Karen, man, one day, one day, one day. <laughs> I got so excited. Um, 
So yeah, so then Miss Cater Sims was saying earlier that she had no bells in the school. Pros and cons, we don't have bells in the school. I think the the idea behind it was kids will hear that, like, you know that thing, kids hear the bell, oh, lesson's over, madam is over, you've overrun, we need to go. The kind of the more, the kid with a bit more gumption will then hear the bell and think, lesson's over now, rather than the, te- I think entrusting teachers to keep to time is a better strategy, personally. But then saying that, bells after lunch could work as a, as like a really standard signal that lunch is now over. You've got five minutes to get your next lesson. I think that's quite powerful. But I don't know about the bells in between lessons. I don't know. I'm mixed. I'm toyed. I'm torn on that one. I've worked in schools with bells. I've worked in schools without them. I see pros and cons to both. Um, but yeah, so Dan said we had the same problem. So putting up big digital clocks on each corridor. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Digital clocks, like kids don't have watches. And if you're saying they can't have phones, how do they know the time? <laughs> like, not every kid has a watch. And if you've got a rule around phones, then saying you've got five minutes to get there, kids don't know time like adults. We've learned it over the time. We know how long five minutes is roughly because of just experience. But 11, 12, 13, 14 year olds, if they can't tell the time or they don't have a watch, they're not allowed their phone, they don't know the time. So yeah, so Dan's saying they're putting digital clocks in every corridor. I think that's powerful. And digital clocks in the in the in the atriums or the main indoor areas where they congregate. And then Dan's come back and said everyone he agrees that everyone out everyone should be out in lesson change. I think you can have a massive cultural shift there and say it's everyone's responsibility because SLT of course needs to be visible, but you're only gonna have a, you have more teachers than you have SLT. So if you can get everyone out for two minutes, culture is always oh, about to be changeover, everyone's out for the last two minutes of this period, and everyone stays for the, for the next three of the other kids start to realize there's no wiggle room because everyone's out, visibility. So that's something that I'd advise. Um, Karen said 100% visibility on doors. And then TSCW, I knew, I saw you coming. I didn't shout you out, but welcome TSCW. Another regular has said they've put timed clocks on all the doors now. Oh, wow. <laughs> I used to work in a school like this. Timed clocks on all the doors now. So they're locked on the corridor like a failure in the crystal maze. So if they're late beyond this traveling time we're given, um, it's helped with lates and students don't walk in. T- so students don't walk each other to lessons anymore. I wor- I heard about this in a school. So the, yeah, the doors used to lock and then the, the late ones were just kind of just, they were just lost. They were just stuck. And then they would just be collected. Um, imagine just sweeping through the school, collecting the latecomers. What happens to the latecomers, TSCW, is my question. Gen- like what happens to them? Do they get, is it a detention or is it, what is it, is my question. Um, so yeah, so. TSCW said late, because I imagine there needs to be quite a, a, a strict deterrent on that. Otherwise, they'll just not go. San- okay, so TSCW said it's sanctioned with a detention. And Karen said it sounds like lectures in uni. My lectures in uni, I, mine weren't locked outside, but I don't know how many, I went to a different uni to everyone else, obviously. Everyone went to different unis, I should say. So yeah, locked doors. If you have automatic locking doors, maybe that's a strategy you could you could bring in to really ramp it up. Always ramp it up. And yeah, wow, time has flown. Let me scroll through the other ideas that were on Twitter. Someone said that they have music playing between lessons, exactly four minutes long. I wonder who chooses the music. Screens with a countdown, um, four minutes max to get to lesson. And this is because they calculated how long the, the furthest distance would be. And then if you're late, you, uh, you get a 15 minutes attention at break, lunch or after school. What if you're late two times in a day or three times? Does that rack up is my question. 
if you're late once and you get a 15 minute detention, if you're late again, does the detention increase or is it just a standard 15 minute for being late throughout the day? I would hope it would increase because otherwise there's no reason to not be late again once you're late the first time. Music in between lessons, interesting. That's, that's, that's different. Four minute countdown. If you know it's gonna, if you say to kids, we have walked at a normal pace from the top left-hand wing of school to the bottom right-hand corner of school, and it's taken us four minutes to do so, the most efficient route, and you're transparent with kids, you say you've got four minutes. I, I like that. That works, but I guess my question has come about the 15-minute um, the detention thing and whether they're late more than once. Um, my response to this was, I said, whatever the strategy, it needs to be enforced centrally. Um, this is because we have a behavior system that means any negative behavior tots up throughout the day. So then, and I also said that being late to lesson needs to be a school issue and not an issue for individual teachers to grapple with. I don't think the tone should be, you're late to my lesson. It's you're late to a lesson, which is a school issue. And therefore it should be any consequences should be dealt with centrally rather than being dealt with, you're late to my lesson. Therefore you have a detention with me at break time. I don't agree with that being um, the approach because I think anything to do with punctuality to lessons is a school issue is my question. Um, the person calling in, unfortunately the show is about to end, but thank you for, for calling in. Um, but the show is about to end. I'm just trying to rattle through some more comments on, on Twitter. Uh, pastoral Pete, one of my regulars on the show, he said a few things at play. He said, do you sanction the hell out of it? Do you factor it into rewards? He says, look at transitions. What happens on arrival when they're late? He said he, he vouched for visibility, high presence, keeping things moving, um, clear message, team effort, consistent approach. Someone else has said students have what they call a respect card in their planner, which can be signed for lateness. Multiple strikes is a sanction, which is cumulative. The more strikes are gathered. Strong staff presence at changeovers is vital to ensure constant movement through corridors. So that, yeah, so someone, they, they have a respect card. Imagine it, they carry with their planner if they're late. Um, you sign a respect card. I imagine a teacher does. Um, I, I don't know. I've, I feel like one of those things, you know, as a teacher, when you when you have to sign a card for someone outside the lesson when they arrive, so then you have to leave the lesson to go and sign the card. Then if the child then bats back and says, ah, but I'm late only because of this, 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 miss, then you have, you have to, you have, I don't know, just you don't want to create things that might cause more issues for teachers themselves, um, like a battle. I don't know. I just, I'm just thinking about it. I'm not saying it's a bad idea or anything like that. I just, I'm just think. I always think about the worst case scenarios of a child that's late for a legitimate reason and therefore has a kind of a back and forth. Then you have to use your on call systems. Like it's all, it's all long. <laughs> Sometimes it's all long. Just get to school on time. Just get to lessons on time. Simple, isn't it? Um, and then, yeah, someone else said people support plan. Someone said I take the time back from them, which is break time, lunch time after school. This person's saying a lot about them specifically. Um, which makes it seem like, I don't know if it's a secondary school or a primary school, I'm not sure. And, the, and someone said, the only thing is if they have to make up the time or break or lunch and the staff lose two, they can't claim to have the answer, but they do think we can make a rod for our own back. And yeah, so that's what I'm saying. That's why it needs to be a central thing. I don't, if you work in a school where your behavior system is still enforced non-centrally, then please change that, in my opinion then it becomes school behavior becomes a school issue rather than a teacher issue. And then it really breeds consistency across the board and can really help in these situations. So you're not late for my lesson. You are late to a lesson. Therefore there's a central detention or a central sanction is my advice. Cool. 
we will leave it there. Hopefully, for anyone that listens back to this or those that contribute to the show, thank you. Um, anyone that listens back, hopefully it's been useful. Maybe there's been some ideas that I've shared, other people have shared that you can then think about for your school. But please don't always just drag and drop straight in um, because everything works somewhere, but not something works everywhere. So please just look at your own school context. Um, the behavior reports work when it's break and lunchtime beforehand, but when it's lesson to lesson, the nuances of that can cause issues and so on and so forth. So really do analyze it and do some trials and that kind of stuff. Don't just go whole hog for the whole school because I think you'll get a lot of kind of unintended consequences. So that's my advice on that thing. That's the same advice for any initiative from a leadership perspective. Cool beans. We'll leave it there. Thank you as always. I'll be back. Am I back next week? I don't know if I'm back next week. I can't remember. I've taken my calendar. Hopefully I'm back next week. If not, then I'll be back the following week for another potential pastoral CPD clinic. Thank you for taking part. Thank you for contributing. Thank you for everyone that shared the show, liked the show, um, dropped in any ideas. I'll be back. Follow me on Twitter at Khalil underscore R91. It's been a pleasure as always. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. Karen, it's okay. I know you were late, ironically, but it's all good. Till the next time, guys.